0: Stay where you are, make enough money, and then start doing a business on the side first to see if it's for you, if it works, if you have a product that people actually want.
1: Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David schreiner Khan. On today's episode of Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with the CEO of the Folsom Group, Tina Larson. Tina had several transitions in her career that led her from employment to becoming an entrepreneur with several businesses. One of the themes in this episode is the power of perseverance. You need to give yourself enough time to experience results as an entrepreneur. Stay with us to hear all the details. In today's episode, Tina talks about the power of people who are in your network. As a consultant, you need to be in a community with other consultants so that you can support one another and learn together. That's why the camaraderie of supportive, collaborative colleagues is the foundation of the Smashing the Plateau community. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions, Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Tina Larson. Tina is the co-founder and owner of the Folsom Group, the premier co-op and condo cost consultant who helps New York City co-op and condo owners and apartment building owners increase their property values. The company is a business consultant and a disruptor in the residential real estate world. Tina holds a lead Green Associate designation and is on a mission to make New York City greener, more sustainable and more affordable, one building at a time. Tina, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much, David. Thank you for having me on this beautiful date.
1: Uh, It's my pleasure, Tina. Tell me a little bit about how you got started in your business.
0: Okay. So it was a very big turnaround. So I have been in finance. I have been a business analyst in finance on the financial services industry for over 20 years. I had my own investment advisory firm. And for the last 20 years, we had been analyzing businesses for the sole purpose of investing our clients' money. We owned a co-op, an apartment in New York City. And right after the financial crisis, we get a letter from the board saying that they were increasing the maintenance by 5% for the 10th year in a row. That was a time when there was no inflation. There was no reason. I mean, as an analyst, I, I'm like, why is it increasing by 5% every single year? And uh, during the financial crisis, of course, our business was suffering. So this was more on top of our mind, right?
1: Right. And when you say our business, you were in the business as an employee, right? Not not as a business owner.
0: No, we were business owners. Oh, you yes. were? Okay. Yes. But I didn't start that way. Got it. I was squeezed out a few year- okay. years prior. So we got together with some neighbors and we had a coup. We took over the board. Because I had my experience as an analyst, the board, I i did not join the board. My husband did because he's more uh, diplomatic, shall we say. <laughs> but they asked me for my help. So we went around, we gathered financial statements for other buildings so that we could compare because who knows if, if an expense is $10,000 per year or per month. Who knows what that means in installation? You don't know if that's high, is it low, is it normal? So you have to have something to compare to. And so that's where my expertise from my background came in. And we were able to save the building $340,000 in the first three years. Wow. Out networking. Thank you. <laughs> it's it was a lot of quite, money. I, mean, I know. And we were kind of like, let's see if we can save 10000 <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. What was the size of the budget? 3 million. So it's so it's like more than yeah, 10%. So
0: it's 10%. And over the course of the years, it's over one entire year's budget. So, I mean, it's pretty significant. And just like compounding investments, expenses compound too. So, <laughs> So when we were out networking... I mean, I normally used to walk into a room and tell them that I was a financial advisor. And you can only imagine how happy they were to meet another one, another financial advisor, right? There's not enough of those in New York City. So instead of introducing me as a financial advisor, I introduced myself as I helped my co-op save $340,000. And you wouldn't believe it, but most of them said to me, can I introduce you to my co-op board? (laughs)
1: <laughs> who doesn't want to save money, especially that magnitude?
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> and that's how we started. So it was kind of a natural progression of um, uh, we started. In the beginning, it was a little difficult to get started and uh, because we were it was myself and my husband who is my business partner. and we were out networking, but we it was difficult to get the traction that we needed. So it took a while before it started taking off. In 2019, that's when it really started taking off and became our primary business.
1: So even though you were getting the reaction, can I I introduce you to my co-op board, it still wasn't taking off the way you wanted? Correct. Why?
0: Yeah, so maybe it's a confidentiality or no, maybe it's a confidence thing. Maybe it's because we didn't really have a big history when they asked for references. We didn't really have any references. We had this one building, but since that was our building, it was not so easy to talk. We talked about that building, but it was not as easy as we thought. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And very often they want three references. Well, we only had one. So it took a little bit of time, or I mean, it took a few years to really get the traction where we were confident enough to walk into a room and feel like we own it and, and know for sure that we had enough references and enough uh, testimonial and historical case studies, etc. So it took a few years. But you know, as they say, it takes 10 years to make an overnight success. Isn't
1: that what they say? Pretty much. What helped you with the confidence?
0: Having, I think, having enough. When we knew that they always ask for three references, once we had three references, that was part of it, of course.
1: So was that really such a big jump, just getting the third one?
0: It was. Interesting. And we had more clients than three, but we needed to have solid references. You know how some people are good references and some people are maybe not.
1: Yeah, and then not everybody wants to be a reference, even if they might, that, right? Even if, you know, the, you may have the data to show that you actually saved them a lot of money, but if they don't want to be a reference, you can't use them.
0: No. And then we have the whole confidentiality thing that boards, they don't want to us to use their data. So we had to, like, disguise what the name of the building or what their names were, and then there were some boards who didn't, they said, well, you have manipulated this data. We want to see the actual Cornettison bills. And so that created a little bit of trouble too. But yeah, eventually we got there.
1: You know, it's interesting that it was so hard to convince people to take a chance on saving money.
0: I know. And especially, (laughs) and that's only half the portion of this. We work on contingency. So if we can't save anything. Their, the fee is zero. Now, we have never found a building that we couldn't help save money. But I mean, in theory, it doesn't cost them anything to actually hire us. I mean, it's basically like a free second opinion.
1: I wonder if you would have had faster traction if you charged money.
0: And that of course could be the case, but we weren't sure. And this was really when we started, we didn't really know if it was gonna work. So since nobody else did it, you can very often conclude that if nobody else does it, there's probably not a high demand. We felt that there was a high demand, <laughs> but that's not always the
1: case. Right. So how did you prove that there was high demand? If you felt it and and you were getting resistance and it took a long time, like what is it that got you to persevere long enough to actually make this into a real business?
0: Well, it was growing, but not fast enough. But then in 2019, all of a sudden it started taking off. And one of the things, too, was that during that whole time... So we, we incorporated in 2014. So 2019, that was five years later.
1: That's a long time.
0: I know, I know, yeah. But we still had income from our other business, so... But I mean, you have to be prepared to have a certain amount of years to roll anything out unless you sell something that's a small ticket item that's an easier sell, I think. But yeah, no, it took a long time. And um, but here we are. And now one of the thing is that so some of our clients, they requested, they said, well, what you offer is great, but we would really like for you to manage this project from beginning to, to end. So our main business, where we share the savings with our clients, they have to have at least one proposal for whatever they're trying to do, because otherwise we can't compare and decide on what the savings are going to be. So if they need to repair the roof, but they have no proposals to repair the roof, we can't, How there's no savings. So we got a request from a building who wanted to who had a leaky roof, they needed to replace their boiler, they needed a new their stair stairwell in a walk up building was crumbling, so they needed to repair the stairs. And there was a bunch of other things too in that building, smaller ones, but those were the large ones. So they said, we don't have time to go and get bids. So can we work on a project management basis? So we started working with that building on a project management basis. And then we realized that between the project management where it's very often something that's urgent, so they have a leaky roof, right? They need something right away. They can't wait. Versus the cost reduction, that's something that sounds very good, and we feel that it's urgent, but in many cases, it doesn't have that urgency. And because of that, we think that the project management bis- uh, arm of our m- or product extension, should you, if you want to call it that, became more urgent. And that's really what has been the highest demand in the last three years.
1: How does the property, the project management piece work when building has a property manager?
0: Well, the property manager, they handle the day-to-day operation. In some cases, they do project management, but in most cases, they do not have a lot of time, or they don't have any time. (laughs) They have too many buildings and not enough time. So that is not their strong suit. And in many cases, the boards that we work with, They don't even want the property manager to do it. They say they can, I mean, they have enough on their plate, so they don't feel that they have the bandwidth to take care of large projects.
1: Right, so it's a natural fit.
0: Yeah, and in those cases, we do charge an upfront fee, and then we charge a percentage of what the actual project is, so... And it's possible that we could have started with that from the very beginning, but we didn't know. You, you never know, know what you so, don't know.
1: So, <laughs> you know. In hindsight, tell me, Tina, what is it about what you're hearing from the marketplace combined with your intuition that gives you some clues about where the sweet spot is for a new business idea?
0: Mm, that's a great question. <laughs> Well, I mean, the main thing, I guess, is to, well, first of all, anything in marketing, we have learned over the years that it's a trial and error. I mean, just try it and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, give it a timeline. In our case, we gave it over five years. Maybe you don't have five years. Maybe you have three months. (laughs) But so, I mean, you have to try it. If you don't try it, then you're not going to know for sure. And we did speak with one co-op expert. She's in charge of one of these membership organizations for co-op and condo boards. And we spoke with one of the largest property management, the president of one of the largest property management firms. Both of them told us that this was a great idea, but it was two people. None of them hired us. And the property manager, since one year later, when they realized that we were not gonna that that we were not gonna go away, that we were gonna continue to work with boards, they actually called us in and told us that uh, they they would never be able to refer us business because we were gonna make them look bad. And we told them, "We're not making you look bad. You're making you look bad. <laughs> I'm making friends everywhere, right?"
1: <laughs> Fascinating. Tina, you mentioned yeah. earlier on that part of your own career history was as an employee.
0: Yes, yes. So I was, in, I worked for a company, um, a small boutique investment advisory firm. I started working there in the late 90s when you had one dial-up for the entire office. <laughs> it's a long time ago. And uh, I worked there. I helped them grow. Assets under management from under a hundred million to close to 40 billion. Wow. And I was in charge of the largest group there. And then I guess we made too much money. So they wanted me out. <laughs> so that's when we started our own investment firm. They were generous enough that they had told me, they said, listen, because I asked them every year if I could become a partner. And they said, no, we don't, we're not taking on any new partners. And then one time I went in there and I said, can I make partner? And he said, no, the CEO. And he said, but he said, I have an idea. You can start one product offering and you can continue to work for us while you roll it out. Sounded very generous, right? And that was fine but we raised $50 million very quickly from their clients. And I guess they didn't like that portion. So they called us in and uh, they said, oh, we're going to charge you $25,000 in rent for you using your office (laughs) (laughs) for this other firm. And they said, so this was in July. And they said, retroactively from two months prior, so we're like, okay, so we can pay seventy-five thousand dollars and stay here, or we can move out. So I continued to work for them. <laughs> we moved out <laughs> same Friday, <laughs> and we moved out, and I continued to work for them, but remotely. And this is this was in two thousand and eight. And uh, they suge- they called me in and suggested that I quit. I'm like, I'm not quitting. <laughs> and they said, but this is a conflict of interest. And I'm, and I'm like, yeah, I spoke with our, our uh, compliance officer. He doesn't think that it's a conflict of interest. <laughs> yeah, so that didn't go so well. But anyway, so we didn't pay the 75000 We moved out and I continued to work for that firm. And that firm... They paid me for the longest time and then they started paying me $100 a month or something stupid for the next. And they refused to fire me. <laughs> and, oh, and then I get it. But I ended up getting fired by fax.
1: Tell me about that.
0: <laughs> so in our new location one day, the and the new location was a Regis office. I don't know if you're familiar. It's like one of this... Uh, co-working space. co-working space. So one day the receptionist came in and she said, oh, you get a fax. I'm like, who gets fax now? faxes nowadays, right? So I looked at the facts. I get fired by fax. <laughs> Have you ever heard of that one before?
1: <laughs> no, I've heard of getting fired by email. Okay. <laughs> I've he- heard of getting fired by text message. I had a guest on a while ago who was in charge of a, a big team of a couple hundred people, called them all together for a meeting. And I... Think it may have been an online meeting, and and was told that everybody was fired. <laughs> right, so I've it's never like, heard of that one. Right, before. so it's like you you know you you call all of these people that that you're responsible for together, and then you're told along with them that you're all fired.
0: <laughs> wow! Oh, that's amazing. But actually, we had one of our clients just uh, a little bit. Their entire property management team was uh, all fired. The whole team. Maybe it's the same one.
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Crazy world.
0: And this was when I get fired by fax. I mean, this is on, This was in two thousand and nine, I think. So I mean, it was during a time when everything was done over email. I mean, I don't know the last time I received a fax, but I get fired by fax. So
1: how did you feel to get fired by fax?
0: We we were laughing. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> I still have it. I still have it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I could see that. But in the meantime, you had already started your, your business, so you, were, yes. you, so you were fine.
0: Yes. We started in 2007. We raised $50 million in 2007. And then the market crashed, so that didn't go so well. Little bad timing. We were, we had twenty five million dollars lined up to start a to launch a hedge fund in December of two thousand seven. And you know what ha- happened then? Have you yeah. heard of Madoff? Yes. Yes. Not the best time to be lined up to start a hedge fund. No. <laughs> so and then the market crashed, and uh, we had a really good year in two thousand nine though. So it came back. But then in 2012, we started seeing that we could not attract younger clients. For some reason, it was like they didn't want professional, they didn't want to pick up the phone. They didn't want, they wanted Robin Hood or something. They wanted robo-trading. They wanted to do things. They were more like, do it your own.
1: I'll get an app to do it for me.
0: Yes. And we spoke with other trusted advisors like CPAs and some attorneys and they said that they had, they were seeing the same trend that younger generation they didn't want personal advice and that generation is now 45 years old so i mean now
1: yeah <laughs> so tina in in hindsight i mean you've had a number of pretty significant transitions in your career <laughs> and you you seem pretty comfortable at this point with entrepreneurship what would you say to someone who's like on the fence, um, who's been an employee for 20 plus years, doesn't really see that being an employee for the next 10, 20, 30 years is really going to be satisfying and maybe not providing enough revenue, but they're hesitant to pursue entrepreneurship because they've never run a business and it seems very risky. What advice would you have for them?
0: Well, Stay where you are, make enough money, and then start doing a business on the side first to see if it's for you, if it works, if you have a product that people actually want. Do a lot of networking. Read the five-hour work week (laughs) because that is one guide to going from a full-time job to becoming, uh, to working, putting in less and less time in that full-time position to doing other things, whether that's traveling the world or entrepreneurships or, or whatever it is. Yeah, no, network, you're, I mean, you're only as rich as your network. <laughs> Networking is, it's fantastic and it's been fantastic, especially if you're, In a referral business. So if your entrepreneurship, whatever that business is, if it's something where you need referrals, then there's nothing as good as networking. And LinkedIn, it's the biggest network on the planet.
1: (laughs) It sure is.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I, I worked at my old, when I was an employee, I had my LinkedIn profile and it's just been sitting there for all of these years and I never realize that it's actually not a social media platform where you put your resume it's actually a physical i mean it's a networking event that goes on 24 7 seven days a week
1: it sure is it sure is well tina Mm -hmm. i want to thank you so much for coming on the show today we covered a lot of territory about your career and all, all of your transitions and um Really, the power of perseverance. You've shared so many stories about how perseverance has really been the driver of your success. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've talked about or access any information about you or your business, where's the best place for them to go?
0: Our website. So it's www. Could never have guessed that one. The It's That's T-H-E-F-O-L-S-O-N group.com. I said N because Folsom Prison of Johnny Cassius is very common. Uh, I should try to buy that website, right?
1: And of course we'll put the <laughs> link in the show notes. So <laughs> you, you can always go to smashnailplateau.com, listen to the episode, look at the show notes and just click and you'll go go to Tina's website. Tina, thank you so much for joining us today. My guest has been the CEO of the Folsom Group, Tina Larson. Thank you again, Tina, for joining us.
0: Thank you so much, David.
1: When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. In today's episode, Tina talks about the power of the people who are in your network. As a consultant, you need to be in a community with other consultants so that you can support one another and learn together. That's why the camaraderie of supportive, collaborative colleagues is the foundation of the Smashing the Plateau community. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.